0: This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. In case you listeners missed our earlier show, we are so excited to announce a brand new contributor to our Cracked Rackets team, Damian Cust, going to be joining us as both a writer and a podcast host moving forward. And On today's episode, we have the first edition of his ATP Challenger show. Now, Damian's actually recorded a few of these episodes over the past month, I should Say this is his first episode on our Cracked Rackets platform. But he and his co hosts break down the past week's action on the Challenger circuit. They preview the week ahead, offer some fun predictions, talk about the latest trends they're seeing on the Challenger tour. It's a fantastic show that we are so excited to share with all of you listeners. Now, if you want to hear more about Damien, how he got into the sport, some of the things he'll be doing for us moving forward, again, you can go listen to our episode from earlier in the day, Damien joining me to discuss all of those topics on this podcast. The only time you're going to hear me on the intro, and in the outro, as I've got to read through our sponsors, and again, I just wanted to introduce the show to you all, but it's just going to be Damien and his co-host talking ATP Challenger Tour. Having already listened to the episode, uh, it's delightful, and I promise you listeners are going to enjoy it. Of course, again, before we get to that episode, the reason we're able to do everything here at Crack Rackets day in, day out, is because of the support we get from all of you listeners, from our Patreon family, who allow us to take chances to bring in new contributors and expand the profile of things we are doing here at Crack Rackets. But of course, the reason we're able to do this podcast specifically day in, day out is because of the support we get from our friends at Turner Tennis. You know the deal. Turnagrip, Grip—the only grip that gets tackier when you sweat. Its performance in hot and humid conditions is unmatched. And yes, that iconic blue color that can be seen on the rackets of hundreds of touring pros—it's trademark, folks. And that's because Turner Grip is synonymous with grips everywhere across the globe. If you would like to join the Turner Grip family, you can call or email them to get college pricing or free samples by emailing sales at uniquesports.com or calling 800-554-3707. Again, you mentioned Crack Racket sent you. You'll get better pricing. You'll get free samples. Just contact sales at uniquesports.com or 800-554-3707. With that in mind, let's get to today's ATP Challenger-centric podcast with the one and only to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy
2: price Priceline.
1: so welcome to the next episode of the challenger tour podcast and as i mentioned last time i have a, a new co-host with me uh, it's jakub bobro and i'm gonna allow him to introduce himself to you
2: yeah hi i'm i'm jakub um, i'm very happy to to be here, Uh, just a bit about myself. I'm 20 years old, I'm from Bratislava, Slovakia. I'm currently studying journalism uh, at the Glasgow Caledonian University. Um, What else about me? I mean, I first got into tennis when I was 11. I played for seven years. Um, I've I've had many different sort of experiences with tennis. I was a ball kid for a while. I've managed to cover some tournaments um, as media. And yeah, I'm just excited to be
1: here. Yeah, great. Uh, there's actually a, a question to you that I that I thought of uh, late, later on. And because you said you're, you were playing tennis, that's actually going to be a better one than I expected. So it's great. <laughs> but anyhow, we're going to start from another question from our most active listener. Uh, Jan, who this time wanted to know who, you know, in our opinion, is the former college player with the most potential of of the ones playing on the Challenger tour. I think we're gonna skip guys like I don't know Steve Johnson. Who-
2: yeah, I, I ended up going for sort of three different answers. Um, the first one I picked out was Paul Jub, who is not quite on the Challenger level just yet, but I feel like we'll be seeing them, uh, seeing him there soon. Um, he he was very good uh, at college tennis. Um, I can't remember quite the name of the school that he played for in Carolina, but uh, he had one of the best seasons there um, in his junior year. Um, I remember seeing him play a little at Wimbledon in 2019 uh, when he lost in the first round. But he won a set against João Souza. So that was quite decent. Um, I just feel like he, he definitely has the talent um, and the financial backing, being an LTA player, um, to be successful on the Challenger Tour. <laughs> Um, another answer that I went for is Jan Zielinski, who I assume you're familiar with Um, he he was also a college player uh, and he's absolutely killing it in the doubles on the Challenger Tour Um, one title so far this year two finals and two semis so I feel like he's um, very much primed to continue the proud um polish doubles tradition <laughs> that has been there in the men's doubles for for years before him with you know guys like Kubot uh Matkowski Furstenberg and so on uh but I would say like my overall pick for the most talented player that we can be uh that we can see a lot on cha- on the challengers um is Maxime Cressy even though he's not really played challengers this year he's been going for um ATP qualifying without much success so I feel like we will be seeing him at the challengers at some point this year um <laughs> uh, yeah he's just he's just somebody with a huge game um who I mean with this style he gives players a different challenge so I, I feel like his matches are very intriguing to watch and you know it's nice to see a bit of serving balding every now and then so yeah those are my my answers
1: <laughs> okay i went totally mainstream compared to you uh, but i'm I'm really glad you know the Zelinski shout uh, he, <laughs> I, I remember him playing for for the university of georgia and he when he came back he actually turned out to be a, a great doubles player i think that was you know just shows you that for for players from from small countries who maybe you know didn't have such a great juniors career it's a, it's really a great option because if if not college he probably wouldn't be playing tennis right now like you know the funding in Poland is is so bad so uh, but anyhow it's not the topic. Uh, I also wanted uh, thought about Cressy. Uh, I, I kind of wanted to make that point later in the in the episode talking about someone else, but uh, it's really hard to judge potential for players who play such unique play uh, games. Like Cressy, like for example, when you I don't know, when you when you saw Andrei Rublev when he was young, when you see that forehand, you know he's gonna do well. But when someone plays the game quite like no one else does right now, I mean obviously there were a lot of service and volley players, but you know, Cressy is pretty much one one of a kind right now. Uh so I decided to go, as I said, totally mainstream for Nakashima and Wolf. Uh obviously we were we're probably going to talk a lot about these guys on this, uh, on this pod. So uh, Nakashima has already showed up at, uh, even on the big stage at the US Open against Zverev last year, even if he has a lot of problems. Like, we, you know, people constantly just name another issues Like, you know, not having the aggressive game to just... To, to win to win f- short points against against the top players he still keeps winning titles <laughs> and even even on clay this this week actually maybe we're going to mention him when we talk about Belgrade that he's rapidly improving on that surface probably having never really played there in in, in, in the beginning of his career and you know, during during his early years and Wolf obviously hasn't played yet this year. But ju- just like Nakashima, he showed up great at the US Open, made the made the third round. And I think he is he also has such a huge game that you know it, the, the upside is ridiculous. Obviously, the consistency isn't there yet, but I'm definitely looking forward to to watching him. Both were both were absolute standouts at college. Obviously, Nakashima only played one one year, but we've had one of the best college careers ever i think uh, for the ohio state Uh, i also uh, noted out rinder and and kressy whom you whom you already covered Uh, and at this point i'll say that there was one more question but i think we're gonna talk about uh, jensen brooksby later since since these questions we definitely will yeah yeah so (laughs) since these questions from from the other listener uh or maybe we'll just you know Say his username right now, so so that I don't have to remember about it anymore. Uh, we, let me find it. Uh, it was uh, you, the username on Twitter is tennis racket or more than a racket is his handle. So, uh, you know, be patient <laughs> when we're gonna t- talk about Orlando. We're gonna uh, we're gonna answer your questions. Maybe you could actually start with Orlando then.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, Orlando. Um... Was, was quite an interesting tournament. Uh, it was a tournament of many re- revelations for me personally. Uh, the, 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 mostly the revelation of Jensen Brooksby, who I have not watched um, before. I've heard of the hype, obviously, with his 2019 uh, US Open run ending Tomáš Berdych's career. Um, but I never actually sat down to watch him. And I had an opportunity to do that twice. And he is a very, very interesting tennis player. He's a very good tennis player, but so unusual in his strokes. Um, (laughs) I I really uh, wish that I'll get to watch him in person soon so I can just really focus on him and like watch him up close because those are some funky, funky (laughs) um, shots that he plays and... Yeah, I I really just want to see more. Um, Obviously, he won the title there, beating the fifth seed, uh, Dennis Kudla 6-3, 6-3 in the final. Um, In that final, he um, had had a couple of really big moments um, in the first set um, where he basically, um, uh, Kudla saved three set points uh, on a serve in that first set and he managed to finally break through. And then in the second set, he was just, laser focus didn't get to even deuce on his serves not even once um and he sort of just took over there so very 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 impressive week
1: and his serve is actually usually usually a liability right i mean it's it's the one reason that people mention when talking about why brooksby is not going to be you know a future top 10 player or something uh and that was actually the, the 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 point that I that I mentioned about Cressy that it's really hard to judge the potential of someone with such unique game style, and one of the questions that we got asked was whether his game style is unique and is it typical for an American? And the the person asking seemed to think it isn't, and it obviously isn't. Yes, I mean the the strokes as you mentioned are just so weird, uh, but it's actually for the good. I think for for example. Um, today against kudla in the first set there was there was this weird drop shot from from the backhand it landed like in the middle of the court and kudla didn't really make a move for it which i was at first pretty surprised by but then when i you know replayed it and just looked at how similar the technique you know, of the stroke was that he was pretty much almost finished with his backhand and then could switch i mean it was I think uh, this could be a real weapon if he if he ever chooses to to focus on that. And uh yeah, another another question we got asked about Brooksby was what, what was he doing in 2020 because as he said in uh, in 2019 at the US Open he ended Tomasz Berdych's career and then it was a uh, you know a huge dilemma whether to go to college or go pro i even read an article today uh, from 2019 which was like uh, four reasons why jensen brooksby shouldn't go to college and he actually ended up uh, enrolling to baylor university uh, but never competed for them and not because he didn't want to but because he had a, a couple of injuries the, the 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 most important one was a toe injury uh, then then covid-19 happened and at the start of this year uh, brooksby decided to drop out and never actually never actually played any match for for the university which now is looking like a pretty fantastic decision and the, the last question we had was whether in our opinion brooksby is going to hit the top 100 this year what do you think about that
2: um i mean he's he's already had a very good year um this is his second title this year, he already made a final before that. Um, but so, so, so I looked at the rankings, uh, he would need to gain, um, f- around 450 points until the end of the year to break top 100, which seems like a bit too much. I feel like he'll get close. He can get in the 130, 140 range ish. I mean, it also depends on, um, how his game adapts to different surfaces because he's, he's basically only ever played on hard, even in juniors. Um, so I'm quite, I'm quite interested even this week uh, when he plays on the green clay in Tallahassee to to see what he's going to do there. But yeah, top 100, not quite, but I feel like he'll get close.
1: Yeah, I would also, I would also go with no. Uh, pretty much similar reasons. I I also am completely unsure of how his scheduling is going to be like, whether he's gonna come to Europe to play clay or not. Like we we know he can be great in the North American hardcore season hardcore season, but then there's like, you no know, three or four big events where he can you know, get get a huge run. Obviously, we might be just really wrong, and maybe he makes you know, like a the third round in Cincinnati or a couple more like that. And it's possible, but unlikely, especially with the with the ranking freeze right now. Uh, you know it's it's getting tougher to to progress it's getting tougher to rise but it's also it also makes it much much more impressive that he's already in the top 200 having having started the year uh, in the fourth one uh, anyhow uh, you mentioned that uh, Orlando was a tournament of revelations for you so <laughs> who other who surprised you that, that much
2: uh, a, a, another revelation for me uh, this week in Orlando was Zane Khan, uh, who I heard you mention on the podcast uh, the week before. Obviously, very impressive march going 14-1 and one in three future tournaments in uh, India. Um, and then he was very impressive again here, reaching the quarterfinals uh, and beating Yasetuka Uchiyama, the second uh, seed in straight sets um he uh he's he's obviously quite a bit younger i think he's um 17 so obviously a, a lot to a, a lot of time to grow to grow
1: still he's a um, bit older i think he's like 20 is he actually but is he? yeah i'm well, not I must con- have I'm written not sure. it down wrong my bad <laughs> uh, maybe uh, maybe i'm wrong uh 19 sorry uh, he's 19, already yeah. finished 19 oh, so in the middle okay <laughs>
2: <laughs> um yeah, one of the things that I was impressed with Khan was his point construction. I feel like he's a very intelligent player. And that's a very good basis to start when you're a young player. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what the future holds for Zane Khan.
1: Yeah, for me, another, well, maybe not revelation, but uh, seeing Christian Harrison do well again was just absolutely impressive. I mean, when you, when you, usually when you see a run like he's in, in Delray Beach in January, you, don't really expect it to, to last over multiple tournaments. Also, it's super hard for him because that's only the fourth event he's playing this year. If you're in the United States, you know, if you live in the States and you don't want to travel, it's really hard right now to to get any playtime. And the fact that he's even, even by playing like... Delray Beach was the second week of, of January or the, the first... And then you go to Naples, which was in February to, to ITF events. And then right now in, in Orlando after a month and a half. So it's really hard to keep up a consistent disposition and yet he's managing to do that. Uh, I, I was never truly a believer in his potential before, before this year, uh, but you know, if he, it really makes me think what would have happened if he didn't have these eight surgeries and, and just stayed healthy maybe 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 this was really a guy who who could have made it big um another maybe not maybe not someone who who surprised me but alexander kovacevic also is playing well we're talking about college tennis uh he's still playing he's uh, how do you call it a senior right when you when you're on your last year uh, and uh, he, he's uh, playing challengers from time to time. He's also going to be. He's also going to be in Tallahassee, and every time he shows up, well, going to be he's playing the qualities there. But uh, every time he shows up on the circuit, he's proving that when he graduates, he's going to be uh, a threat instantly to you know, to compete for for titles uh, on challenger level.
2: Yeah, just going back to Harrison real quick. Um, it's it's good to see him finally make the, the wild cards count. Uh, and also there's a little fun fact to it about Harrison and Zane Khan, um, where on that run to Delray Beach, Zane Khan actually pushed uh, Christian Harrison to uh, third set tiebreak, And then uh, when he won the Naples 25k, he also pushed him to, I think, seven, five in the third. So Harrison has been sort of stifling zane khan's rise
1: <laughs>
2: this year <laughs> funnily enough but i mean he's, yes. he's been amazing very impressive
1: Yeah. so i think we should go to to belgrade or to split where do you gonna go yeah Bel, belgrade is fine with me yeah. um quick travel skier really uh, from from the states to to serbia uh, but anyhow uh a very high profile final i guess if you're just uh, you know if, if someone's just a casual you know, viewer of the of the challenger circuit then definitely Karabayez by is a, is a match that catches the eye uh both have been struggling this year so so it's great to see both some fine, using the the challenger tour to to maybe gain some confidence and actually uh, a very funny coincidence here is that they played two days in a row because on saturday they played in the in the final of the challenger and today they they, they faced each other in uh in the qualifiers to the two level uh, event in belgrade uh actually zumbo retired after the the first, second set which also is a very rare occurrence because he won the second set six games to two i'm not sure what happened there i i only i only caught a few games of that uh, but generally, yeah, uh, it was a very close final. I think Junghur uh, just didn't really perform in the most important moments. He had a set point in the second set, but failed at the first shot after the serve. It was like a backhand into the net. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, for, for me, the, the way that I saw it, Jumhur was the the better player in the second set for most of it anyway. Um, but carbaez Baina was just so incredibly efficient at taking his chances converted five out of six breakpoints. Um, whereas Jumhor only converted three out of 10. So that, that was a, that was a, uh, so, 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 so sort of a shame for Jumhor. And I kind of feel for him now, um, apparently getting injured in, in the Belgrade qualies today.
1: Yeah. And, uh, is there anyone else who you who want to mention from the, from the draw?
2: Belgrade. Uh, I mean, it, it was kind of funny because Belgrade was the the highest. Uh, well, I mean, the, the the biggest tournament this week, being one hundred twenty five points, and I somehow watched the least of it. Um, so, I mean, you already talked about Brendan Nakashima. This was um, one of the times that I, I mean, I, I, I've, I've watched him before, but I watched his match against Ben Tree um, in the first round, and he he's just a very impressive young players, so I, I look forward to seeing more of, of Brandon Nakashima. I was also quite impressed that he sort of wasn't afraid to, to come over to, to Europe and play on the clay courts as opposed to staying in America and staying on the hard court. So that was interesting for me to see.
1: Yes, uh, actually last year it was a huge surprise for me as well. Uh, and actually it seemed, you know, especially as he was coached by Pat Keshe by at the time, and like uh, that's a guy who hates clay and nakashima just really looked lost on this surface but you know it i guess it's an you know it's a sort of an investition in in the future because you know soon enough if he's gonna play two level events only and that's probably what he hopes to do then then you gotta accept that clay clay takes three months of the year pretty much and it's it's great that he keeps that he keeps trying and uh, this was probably the best week he he's had on clay uh, i can also relate to the fact that i also watched Belgrade the the least for whatever reason it turned out the the, the least interesting event of the of the week but i would also uh, one mention one more thing uh, great juniors from serbia sometimes the, all these wild cards uh, that, that we get on the Challenger tour, especially from smaller countries because you know the, the states obviously has a for or, or italy they have a huge base of players that, but these smaller countries sometimes smaller tennis wise at least uh, often ha- you know they often don't really have that many quality players to give them to but it looks like the serbia is actually growing uh, a great generation of youngsters uh, first uh, Marco Topo played in the Qualies and almost beat Alessandro Genesi, he's currently the 28th junior in the world I think and then Hamad Mediedovic he's 17 uh, the 16th ranked junior in the world uh, he defeated Oskar here. Uh, what I liked about them was definitely um, aggressive mindset uh, great hands at the net. Uh, Medjadovic Medvedev, and Topo also played the doubles draw. Uh, I don't usually watch much challenger doubles. We actually had a request to talk more about doubles once. But, it's, you know, it's hard when you don't actually watch. But I I, I, I did make sure to watch uh, their open or their opening ground against Ibavi and Zelenai. Obviously a very experienced pair. So, you know, the, the odds, <laughs> the betting odds were like absolutely huge for them but uh it it was only a six seven six seven six win and they really showed up great i mean a lot of youngsters uh, struggle with volleying they're it's on for for many players it's only something that they develop later on in their careers and they seem to have that area of the game covered which is great to see and also just to mention uh, that medijedovic also defeated daniela higalan today in in belgrade qualies uh, the world number 114. So it, it really looks like there's a there's a great generation coming in Serbia. There's also Marko Mijadinovic who was a bit unlucky to run into Taro Daniel both in in the challenger and and in and in Qualies. qualities.
2: Yeah, I, I only got to watch a couple of uh, games of uh but looks like a really good player. Um, so I'm quite excited to see him. Just one little thing that I wanted to mention: uh, I'm not sure if everybody else knew this, <laughs> knew this except for me, um, but I found out that Roberto carbaez baina is coached by the challenger legend uh, Perariba. So that's that's I fun. actually did not.
1: <laughs> yeah, because at, at you know at challengers you don't often get multiple cameras and you know. Coaching, uh, you, you don't often see the coaches in the in the boxes, so it's actually yeah. It I think tennis really lacks uh, you know, a, good, a good system to inform fans you know, who's who's the coach. Like on the ATP side, for example, there's a there's it's it's horrendously outdated. Usually, uh, there really isn't a good resource to to find out this this info. So it's quite frustrating. Yeah, but yeah, great catch. Uh, so, I guess I guess we could move on to, to Split right now.
2: Um, yeah, uh, Split, uh, very, very impressive tournament f- uh, from Katsperzuk, um coming from qualifying and taking the whole thing in the end. Um, in the final he, he played against Matthias Borg, um, who uh, got through to the final after Quentin Hallis um, retired after the first set in their match. Uh, but yeah, Kasper Zouk never really let him into the match that much, <laughs> from, from, from what it seemed to me, especially the second set. He was quite dominant. Um, this was my first time really seeing more of Zouk. I, I, I think I saw a little bit of his match against Marin Cilic at the ATP Cup. Um, but yeah, so, sort of flatter, heat, flatter hitting. Um, quite good at... Um, both offense and defense. I was very impressed with his aggressive returning against uh, Elias Emer in the in the semifinal, which was a very very interesting match, despite the lopsided scoreline in the second two sets. But yeah, congratulations, congratulations to Katsperzuk. He he really seems like the real deal. Breaks into the top two hundred. He's the new number one hundred seventy-two. And yeah, after making his first challenger final in St. Petersburg, he has now won his first title.
1: Yeah, and uh, actually, you know, he he played six challenger uh, th- uh, the tour events in this year and made made the at least the quarterfinals at every single one of them. So it's really impressive, especially given you know before this year. I think his winners record on the challenger tour was six ten with just one semifinal appearance, and actually no other quarterfinals than that. It's really an impressive way to progress. Uh, last year he was kind of screwed by the. By the pandemic, actually, everyone was. But what I mean was that by the ranking freeze, uh, simply the, the cutoffs for Challenger draws became so much higher. And in the latter half of 2020, he had to play a lot of IDF events. Uh, well, he, he didn't complain. He he went and uh, won uh, a 25K in Poznan, in Hamburg, in Vale de Lobo. Uh, so just you know, use that time great. Uh, we talked earlier about players from well maybe i it was more of a monologue for me but about players (laughs) about players from smaller countries you know considering whether to go to college or not and actually just before atp cup uh, 2020 which you mentioned uh was contemplating college and uh, you know after the atp cup he was supposed to decide and ended up going pro which after, you know, some months last year was looking like mm, we weren't really sure if he was going to make it, but it turns out it's it's going to work out, I think. I, I think he has a lot of potential. Uh, as you mentioned, he's a bit of a flatter, aggressive hitter, so you know, theoretically it shouldn't work that great on clay. But he, you know, in, in Poland as 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 in Slovakia, I, I believe we, we, we play a lot of clay court tennis in the summer, so he's definitely a natural on this surface. I was probably expecting him to him to get his first changer on indoors, but
2: yeah, I, I was going to ask you this about what, what do you think is his best um surface?
1: I always thought it was it was definitely indoors, like when you know, I, I I was uh, sitting at the stands on many matches of Zhuk and talked to about him to with many people. But I always kept saying that I don't understand why is he playing on clay so much? Why is he just not, not looking for opportunities on hard? Then after ATP, the ATP Cup, I was like, yes, you see, I, I told you, he should play on hard. And right now, I, I don't know. I mean... <laughs> Uh, everything I, I, I see in his game tells me he should have a higher peak on hard. But as we can see, you know, even on the, even on such a high level as the as the Challenger circuit, it was it was enough to triumph. And honestly, last week he was in the semis, and I don't I don't think there's anyone who would disagree that he was the better player against Kavcic in the in the you know, first set and a half, you know, maybe not a set set and a half but in the first set. And then just, it was his level that dropped, not not Kavcic's. Uh, you also mentioned something about his uh, his defense. I think you can't really say it's something people overlook because, you know, it's, it's a player who hasn't really been talked about that much yet. But I think his defense on the backhand, on open stance, on, on the slide is excellent and it's also it was of massive help today against borg because both players were looking to to kind of get the initiative early on and there really isn't a lot of things that the that players on the Challenger circuit have been able to achieve when Zhuki is playing like today just going big from both wings and barely missing so i'm definitely happy to <laughs> to watch it and hopefully it continues he's gonna take like a break of two or three weeks right now he actually he's actually signed up for prague challenger still to play qualities because he uh, you know the, the 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 sign up was before the the new his new ranking comes in but you know, it's it's obviously he shouldn't be playing qualities at this point. But but it's gonna be the you know the, the last week he does. After that, he's signed up for Heilbronn, and then then it's gonna be the the new ranking, the 172. That's gonna decide. So uh, yeah, great stuff.
2: Um, yeah, somebody else that impressed me from from Split uh, was Tanasi Kokinakis. I was sort of looking forward to to watching him play again um, in a very much different setting than I'm used to seeing Kalkinakis, uh out here on a clay court challenger in, in Croatia. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was I was very impressed. Um, I watched a bit of his match against uh, Idukovic, who Idukovic was playing quite well there um, for a lot of it, and he is a is a big hitter, big forehand swing. Um and Koknakis went through and then I watched him absolutely dismantle Philip Horansky in the second round. I mean it was brutal 6-1-6-2, six, six, uh, which was almost a generous scoreline because he he did not give him a sniff of anything in that match. Um so yeah, I, I was a bit surprised to see him lose to Quentin Hallis in the quarterfinals, but I I couldn't watch that match,
1: unfortunately. Yeah, fully agree about Kokinakis. He's also been been really impressive, he just impressing me in the past couple of weeks. Not someone you expect, as you said, on, on European clay courts, but he's really making you know, just I think he's been kind of well, maybe not unlucky that, that but two quarter finals, but I think he's playing a lot better than than that, even you know, even if two quarter finals in split is obviously a great result. Uh I don't know if there's anyone else I, I would pick up from from the split draw. Maybe Alexander Fukich, too. I mean, a lot of people still consider him uh, maybe not a serve bot, but someone who just plays big and doesn't really move that well, and and probably shouldn't be playing that that well on clay. But it looks like his great form simply <laughs> transcends to any surface he. Uh, he tries himself on right now so so definitely also someone that, that I'm looking forward to follow also a former Courage player uh, i think he played for university of illinois uh, so should we go to I,
2: I just i just wanted to quickly mention uh just real quick before before we move on uh the first match that i watched this week which was actually the first challenger match that i've watched in a while uh, it was sort of a comeback for me to following more challengers but yeah um i watched bojo barun um, in the qualifying uh, final round, because I, ju- I just wanted to see what what he was. Um, because this guy is is unranked. He never broke even the top 800 in juniors. He only ever beat one ATP ranked player in his career. Um, and then somehow he beat uh, Moroni in the first qualifying round. So I watched his match against Klein. Um, and yeah, I still don't get it. He's he's <laughs> He's <laughs> really not that good. Uh Klein, I mean, it's it's almost this like Slovak national thing where whenever you're the favorite, you struggle a bit more. And like throughout the first set, he was he was quite good because Badun just seemed he just seemed nervous. Like he he couldn't hold rallies past five or six. He would be like by, by, by the time he got to that point, he'd be way out of position uh, or missing. And I mean he he started playing a bit more solid in the second set. Klein started to do sort of struggle, so it was a six-four set, but yeah, I just wanted to mention this guy that that somehow made the made the second round of qualifying here. That I was I was just so confused by.
1: Yeah, I didn't watch the match against Moroni either, so I'm not sure what happened there. But uh, I'm just looking at the odds for that 15 to one on Barun. Uh We'll see. I mean, Croatia has a lot of talented juniors. This doesn't seem to be one of them. I also, <laughs> also caught a couple of uh, caught a couple of games from the from the match you mentioned against Klein, and it's yeah. I I remember you saying you know telling me that you're gonna watch that and see what that baron guy is about, and yeah, I mean
2: yeah. I am going to ask. I mean, we, we we can cut this out if it's if it's not good to talk about this, but has more than ever had like a history of match fixing or something because
1: like, I don't think he's been you know one of these guys I... that are constantly mentioned with that but looking at that match I you know at, at the results at how it went I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case obviously not throwing around any accusations but it kind of you know it has all the classic markings of of a, of a sold match i guess uh okay so i thought we would, we can go to the upset and match of the week segment oh, okay. right yes, now. I, I yeah, almost so okay so maybe we could start with the upset so uh, i guess our pick could be the same but maybe you can start and we'll see
2: uh sure my upset of the week by far uh, is Zane Khan beating yasuco ichimura uh in the second round of orlando seven six seven six are we are we similar
1: there no actually no oh, my my, my right. mine and also by far uh, was uh one i already mentioned so hamad mediedovic over oscarotta mm. uh, i know what this form hasn't been great neither has uchiyamas obviously uh but you know just seeing uh, a 17 year old uh, just this month Well, this month or maybe not maybe that's too strong of a word but definitely be the dominant player and just show that he's was at least a class better on the day than otter that that definitely took me by surprise and what about much of the week i honestly uh, have to say that i found this extremely tough there wasn't me
2: too me too yeah. very much i decided to go for a very how it is It's it's a very it's a very weird pick for for match of the week. Uh, but I have reasons for this. My match of the week is the split semifinal between Casper Zuck and Elias um Just because I, I feel like those are three sets which showcased Casper Casper game in a very interesting manner. Uh, the first set, he wasn't playing great. He, he was missing quite a bit. And he was sort of playing his, his regular defensive clay court game. Um, and it, it, it was an interesting set. It, it went to a tiebreak. Emer took it in the end. Uh, and Then uh, set two, Katspar just turned it on. He he was rushing uh, his returns. He, he he went to his game. It started going in. It was beautiful to watch. Uh, and Emer didn't really adjust that set. Uh, he just sort of kept playing his game until he lost it 6 love. And then after Kasper Zuck broke for two love in the third, Emer started playing aggressively too. Uh and that's when I, I sort of got to see Kasper Zook's um defense and it was very solid and, and he held solid. Uh he he made Emer miss what when he decided to go more aggressive. Um and it ended up 6-1. So it's a bit of a lopsided match, but I felt like it was just such an interesting. Showcase of, of of a player's game that I wanted to include it as my match of the week when there were, there wasn't really a, at least from the matches that I watched, I didn't really watch like a full on you know three set battle classic,
1: that would take it. Uh, so I decided to go for this. Yeah, I I also thought about this one actually, um, and as you said, there wasn't really anything that mixed up the the drama of uh, of a third set tiebreak with great quality throughout. So there's a lot of good picks here i decided to opt for drama instead of quality more although the quality wasn't bad and go for the over hugo gaston also from from split uh you know it went nine seven i think in the in the first tie break so a lot of drama and as a, and honestly it's always fun to watch someone try to solve the gaston riddle just the, these constant drop shots and just Tactics you don't well you see on a regular basis, but you just don't expect the the amount of uh, in in one single set, in one single point, in one single rally. Uh, yeah, so I guess that's it, and we should go to the go to preview next week then. Where do you want mm-hmm. to go now? Uh, actually, we have an even wider spectrum of uh, continents <laughs> and countries. We got the the US, Italy, and Salinas is in Ecuador, right? Yeah, Ecuador.
2: Yeah, uh, we can start with with the Rome Challenger, I think. All
1: right, um, classic. Uh, you know, the, the the most normal one <laughs> for us. Let's say.
2: Uh, yeah, it, it looks it looks like a like a typical um, European clay court challenger draw to me. A couple of interesting things. I I double-checked it. I was almost sure that it was a different site, but it is indeed at a a different site to the uh, Rome Masters uh, that's played. Um, Actually, some players that are in here, uh, Guido Andreotti, for example, uh, who plays uh, Gregor Barrera, the first seed in the first round. Fun fact: hasn't won a match since October 2019. He's lost all his matches this year, and didn't play in 2020. So he's looking for his first win in a year and a half now.
1: Yeah, he can be quite an excellent clay quarter, I think. But I, I I know him very well from the two titles he had in Strachin uh, in 2019 and 2018. But yeah, l- lately it's been it's been a disaster. First because of an injury, and right now just can't win. Uh, you know, the top seed. But is is he that much of an underdog normally against Parere on clay? Probably not. But yeah. in this form, yeah. Also again Kokinakis, so that's definitely someone we're we're gonna we're gonna follow. And Bernard Tomic playing again uh he's actually showing quite some you know quite some effort his his uh, win-loss record on clay career-wise is absolutely dreadful i think even counting futures and uh challenger events uh it's like 31 to 61 something like that you know for a player who was in the top 20 Mm -hmm. that's that's absolutely horrible but you know (laughs) that that's how his game is on clay he can't really move on it uh, you know the 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 forehand is so and back and backhand too is so flat uh, you can't do much but it's it's always fun you know he's always fun to watch when he's trying and lately he's been so so, yeah. the, so definitely yeah, pretty much since the start of the year he's he's really this year he played the ah the Monte Carlo qualities and, and somehow got a wild card to that and and even won a match so <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah i would say it's quite an interesting draw in that the top two seats aren't really um that strong or or i don't think that they're super like expected to to win this really uh, so it sort of opens the door for for interesting stuff to happen um some some of potential qualifiers in here um one that's unlikely but would be very interesting is Zizou Berg's who's obviously, I've, I've heard of him. I've not watched him yet, uh, but he's he's won two challengers. Um, yeah, but I think he was like... Yeah, he's 2-5 he's, he's down in the third. Yeah, to Lamazine.
1: And the match was delayed for tomorrow. So yeah, that's that's really unlikely. I'm not sure how he's going to be on clay. I don't think I've ever watched him on clay. I've watched a lot of him mm-hmm. uh, indoors, but, uh, you know.
2: Uh, Alex Molchan could be an interesting qualifier. He's he's not as young as people in Slovakia would like him to be. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, he's he's he, he both both he and Klein are sort of trying to break through at the challengers. And um I mean there there are big hopes um until our next big home at Privara, which I mean it's going to be a good couple of years before we see him, I think. But um yeah, so so Alex Molchan plays Dennis Istomin in his um qualifying uh final round uh, so that should be an interesting match and then he could mix it up i mean if you get somebody like alex bolt who i'm not really sure how much pedigree alex bolt has on clay i don't think i've ever watched him outside of australia actually yeah i usually just see him in <laughs>
1: yeah
2: in, in, in like a random australian open match uh I, f- I feel like he could he could mix it up in
1: there okay and since this week we actually thought we were gonna it's gonna be a massive flop. It's super hard on the challenger circuit, as you, as you <laughs> said. For example, here, you know, the the top two seeds. I don't think we're going for any of them. So, so it's gonna be really hard. But we're gonna try to pick our winners. Uh, I don't think we're gonna like try to convince each other. It's probably gonna be separate. We can make some mm. sort of a contest from that. You know, who, <laughs> who gets who gets more right. Uh, it's probably very likely that we're gonna go zero for three, <laughs> but uh, who is your pick to win Rome? Uh, so for for my
2: for my draw prediction that I sort of laid out here, I have Paolo Lorenzi defeating Matthias Borg in the final. Oh, uh, so with, we, with uh, my sort of logic being there the that I I had Emer uh, facing in the semifinals, and Lorenzi actually has a two and zero head to head against Emer and two zero head to head against Borg. So that's how I sort of ended up with that, even though I didn't really plan it when I was, when I was laying out the draw
1: prediction, but. Okay. uh Renzi is a, is a bold pick, definitely. I mean, you know, for, for how he's played most of the year, but uh, mm. I'm definitely a fan, like, you know, the commitments and this guy has the, the love for tennis is, is great to watch. I went for Tanasi Koginakis. Uh, it's. A bit tougher draw, I guess, if you compare it to split. And you know, in split he he went out in the quarters twice. But I think this could really happen. Obviously, Clay is also not his preferred service, but you know, we mentioned he was playing great. And I think maybe at some point it does happen. We'll see uh you know i I'm,
2: I'm very excited for the potential of uh is against uh gaston in the second yeah round. yeah actually, no, that should be great i would very much like to watch <laughs> and it's
1: pretty likely to happen given clark's form yeah. and escobedo's clay lack of anything uh <laughs> yeah so maybe i'll go to <laughs> tallahassee right now and that's actually a question I, I wanted to ask you it's played on green clay and yes uh having lived in the states and as you said you played tennis uh i assume you had an opportunity to try that so i i trained uh this was when i still took tennis
2: quite seriously at the time Uh, i trained on green clay for i think it was four months uh it was sort of like a like an overlay uh so so I've, i've got a good grip of it the way that i would describe it it's obviously been a while for me um, but the the movement is similar to red clay. Uh, you, you, you it's very advantageous if you if you slide, and so on. But I would say the bounces are not super different from hard courts. So so I, I would say movement wise, you you move on it like like you do on clay. Um, but when you look at the actual bounces, they're very much I, I would say they're they're much closer to to hard courts than they are to regular red clay.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's that's I never I never tried, had had the opportunity to try. So uh, that's yeah, I don't think outside of outside of the U.S. Yeah, I don't think so either. I I watched some uh, YouTube videos of some amateurs playing, and actually, you know, when you watch a tournament on green clay, it turns out that it looks quite similar. <laughs> the, <laughs> they they're moving in a very you know, very specific way that that doesn't really happen like i'm not obviously talking about sliding but i don't know just this just, just footwork seems very 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 specific from very very peculiar uh anyhow uh we've got as you mentioned we, we you actually mentioned brooks be there i have no idea how he's gonna do on green clay i think it's it's, it's a tournament where the surface is actually gonna matter a lot like for example, we've got Juan Manuel Cerundolo, who won he won Buenos Aires last year and last year, well, Jesus, uh, last <laughs> February, obviously, and it's gonna be interesting to see how he how he reacts to
2: the additional he, he pressure. Won, he actually won Cordoba. I ah, think. Cordoba, yes. I Buenos Aires was the, was the, the one where
1: one. yeah, Fra- Francisco was in the finals. Uh, I always mix up these South American events. <laughs> I actually mix up, uh, wh- you know, whatever the continent is. I mix up the, the events, the brothers, so. all of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the, I think you know, given how he plays, I think green should be amazing for him. But I don't think he's ever played on it, so it might be a bit of a a, a bit of a weird thing. Ivo Karlovic is playing. Uh, you know, he's he's residing in the states right now, so. Uh, I was a bit surprised to see that he didn't go to Europe for the indoor season. So probably just was, you know, not wanting to to leave his family for for uh, if, even for a week or two. Right now, I, I'm always excited to watch him. I know it's not a popular opinion. <laughs> Me but... too. I, I, oh, I okay, <laughs> that's that's great. I mean, anyone who serves volleys is is a good watch. I think, and and I'm definitely gonna watch if I can uh, almost every match of his. Um, yeah, uh, some
2: of the other stuff to mention is it's Ivo Karlovic's first challenger since playing Calgary uh, in February 2020. Ryan uh, Ryan Harrison is in here with a wildcard, playing Matt Ebden in the first round. Uh, for Harrison, it's only his second tournament in 2021. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm quite curious to see how this is going to fold out. Should we go into the predictions?
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, as um, as like as with Rome, it was super hard for me, honestly.
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, I, I, I like watching Ivo Karlovic, but I have him losing in the first round, unfortunately, and I have um, the player who defeats him going all the way and winning it. Bjorn Fratangelo, I had him defeating um, uh, Chirundolo in the in the final.
1: Yeah, Fratangelo is a very good pick. I actually, I'm looking at the draw right now, and I'm thinking, why didn't I pick Fratangelo? I don't know. Maybe it's my love for Ivo Karlovic that made, that made me think that maybe Fred Angelo isn't winning this. Uh, I went for someone uh, pretty random, honestly. I mean, I went for Dmitry Popko. Uh, he oh. has a lot. He has a lot of experience on on green clay. I remember he won a few ITFs there in the in 2019. He actually hasn't had a good season, but in 2020 he was constantly making the quarters and semis in challengers. I just think it has to happen at some point, and because this draw is very, very random, like no, obviously not random in terms of, but you know the, the, the players are very similar in terms of level and the green clay can really mix it up, so I just thought, well, why not, maybe right now. Uh, but Fradangelo is a, is a is probably a better pick, yeah. Uh, I think. Yeah, so. I mean,
2: to to, to be fair, uh, Popko's draw is is quite kind, I think, to Qualifier the quarters, the yeah, to, to, to the quarters where he faces Dennis Kudla. Uh, but then you know anything can happen. Some of some of the qualifiers that I uh, forgot to mention that could be interesting: uh, Donald Young, um, Philip Christian Giannu, uh, the the Romanian young player, and then obviously. Your boy uh, Kovacevic, is yeah, also but
1: qualifying. Uh, Kovacevic uh, actually played Giano today, and oh, lost. did he actually did he actually lose? Oh. Yeah, he lost. in the- <laughs> I forgot earlier
2: today, I forgot to check.
1: Yeah, <laughs> if, if if you actually knew knew that, that would be you know quite a bit of. A, uh, joke at me but, but no uh <laughs> yeah okay, I, so.
2: I, i'm really excited to watch converse with just because I, I want to know i want to know
1: well you're what not gonna you get that. a chance to this week yeah, not
2: this week no giano
1: <laughs> is a general is a very good player too i don't know I, I don't remember how old he is like 17 or or 18. Hmm. Uh, he won in, in a first set tie break today so it was really close uh, yeah. he's 19 sorry uh, 19 yes hmm. Uh, yeah, the, the, the young and Giannu could could definitely do something in the major if they if they make it through. So should we go to Salinas now? Yes, this this was the hardest one for me to
2: to try and make sense of because it's the one where I know the players the least. I think yeah overall as a group, uh, it's played on hard, which sort of bambles with me. I didn't realize that it was played on hard as soon as it was a clay court event. So I was very surprised to see Uchiyama there. As the first seed, because I was like, why, 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 on earth would he go to Salinas to play on clay when he could stay on, like, in Tallahassee and play on the clay that he would like more? But no, it's a, it's a hard court. Uchiyama top seed, uh, Alejandro Tabio the second seed. Um, some other interesting guys in there: Nicolas Hari with the with the wild card, um, uh, Tiago Agustin Tirante, who's a former junior number one. Um, and actually, there's a Tunisian derby in the first round mm. between Mansouri and Dugas which I bet doesn't happen a whole lot Um, yeah. a Tunisian first round derby um, but yeah it's the first meeting between them since a Futures in Cameroon in 2018 but, yeah we're
1: not gonna lie to the listeners it's not super exciting it's a Challenger 80 uh, I think the next event in Salinas uh, the week after that will be a Challenger 50 but the the draw mm yeah the draw could make it like without uchiyama this could have been a, a 50. Yeah. but it's a great opportunity for some talented players to to, to get a lot more points that they would usually uh, i think there are a lot of players once again who could win this well i maybe i'll, I'll just say who i went for uh, yeah. i was definitely thinking of uh, nicolas jari i think he's been playing really well since he came back. I didn't. Well, I didn't really think that you know it was because of the substances that he took that he was as good. But I thought it it would go, it would go, uh, be you know uh, a bit more of a lengthy process to for him to get back to a competitive level. But he is there, uh, and I actually went for Tim Van Toven who's playing the top seed in the first round. So this might seem like an absolutely stupid pick, but I think on hard uh he's been making great progress uh 2 weeks ago he won an ITF 25k in BL which was actually one of the most stacked ITF events we got this year uh he's he serves really big uh last week he played in uh, uh as i say i always mix up events orlando and he <laughs> lost to Kudla 7-5 in the second round actually having led 4-2 in the decider and you know looking at uchiyama's form i think he has a real shot for an upset there and if he would do that then i think the draw really opens up i think the whoever wins from from uchiyama van ritoven has a real good shot at making the finals maybe cedric Bilek could be a could be someone to stop them but uchiyama van ritoven is a match for at least a semi you know? I mean, a semi in my mind But uh, I might be completely wrong on that But I went for Tim Van Riethoven
2: Yeah, I I sort of went with what what I know in this draw In a draw where I haven't seen a lot of the players that I'm talking about here Uh, So I went for Christopher Eubanks over um, Uchiyama in the final Uh, It's going to be a a sneaky, tough road, I think It was Jesper de Jong who um, has sort of popped onto the scene this year I've not really seen his name before this year uh, and I'm yet to watch him play, but I'm I'm curious about that match. Um, but yeah, then he would probably have to play uh, Kiros uh, in the um, quarterfinals. I actually, made the quarterfinals in Delray Beach, which I completely forgot. But yeah, then I have him beating Hari in the semifinals and Uchiyama in the final. So Chris Eubanks is my pick.
1: Yeah, not much to not much to pick out from the quarters here as well. Uh, well, Alejandro Gonzalez used to be a, a fantastic player, and I think he can't remember the exact results right now but i think he played in these events in naples uh the the big itfs in the states this year and and done pretty well uh so that's someone who could potentially get on a bit of a run
2: somebody that i could also see is potentially uh nicolas mejia oh yeah uh sort of younger colombian player i remember seeing him all the way back at uh, Orange Bowl 2015, <laughs> when he was still playing in the under 16s category, uh, he wasn't even playing the actual junior event there. <laughs> but um, yeah, quite quite solid player both on clay and hard courts. So I feel like if he gets the if he qualifies and gets the right qualifying spot, he could he could win a couple of rounds.
1: Yeah, especially as there's a i think there's a qualifier versus a qualifier spot yes close and there's central. also a qualifier
2: against um hidalgo who is a wild card so a couple of good landing spots there for the qualifiers
1: yeah the one against barrio Vera could be a bit tougher oh, Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so i guess that's where we're gonna finish at we'll see next week if the predictions were any good don't expect that <laughs> <laughs> but, but maybe i mean uh, you know, we're gonna try to make educated guesses, and maybe one time it's just gonna pan out, and someone is gonna get three out of three or you know, however, whichever. Or, uh, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, we've been we've been talking for a long time, I think, and I'm and I'm suddenly just I lost my brain yeah. somewhere. Uh, anyhow, so thank thanks for listening and. Uh, well, we're we're hoping that you that you liked this first episode with Jakub. I think it went well, actually, pretty great. And yeah, I, I, I
2: had a great time, so I hope to be oh, back. <laughs> yeah,
1: I I definitely think you you can be back next week. I think you earned the rights too. So so <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're probably gonna see you. Uh, We're going to see you in in a week and when we're going to discuss the events of Rome, Tallahassee and Salinas. So once again, thanks for listening. Thanks for the questions that you sent and and hopefully we answered them uh, the way you wanted. So uh, yeah, bye.
0: Hope all of you enjoyed Damien's episode covering the ATP Challenger Tour. Again, we here at Cracked Rackets, so excited to have Damien on our team moving forward. You can expect him on this podcast at the beginning of every week, recapping the ATP Challenger Tour. You can also expect to hear him as a contributor on our other Cracked Rackets platforms. He's going to join me on the mini break, hopefully at least once a week. He's going to be writing for our website, CrackedRackets.com. Again, we're so excited to incorporate all of Damien's work. I think he's immense. Talented. I know it's a little condescending considering we're pretty similar in age, but you know that's what we want, Cracked Rackets, to be a platform for other young voices, just voices across the tennis world who may otherwise not have their work, their thoughts shared. Uh, that's what we try to do here at Cracked Rackets. So again, so excited to have Damian on the team moving forward. Of course, if you have missed any of our other content of late, you need to catch up on all things happening in the tennis world. Be sure to head to our website, CrackedRackets.com. Uh, Of course, on this podcast, we're going to be covering the Challenger Tour later in the week with David Gertler. We're going to talk college tennis with Matt Stikowiak, Chris Helioris. We'll be covering all of the week's action on the ATP and WTA levels on our mini break podcast feed. And then I got to find us a good Cracked Interviews guest this week. I haven't quite found one yet, but I'm going to, I promise all of you listeners. So be on the lookout for that later in the week. Of course, again, if you need more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me direct. I am at Great Shout Pod. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Flickner and Daniel Westoff, for the of an ending job they do day in, day out. Shout out as well to our friends at Turner Tennis. Again, to join the Turner team, email sales at uniquesports.com or call 800 554 3707. With that in mind, for our wonderful new contributor, Damian Custon, his co host, for super producers Max Flickner and Daniel Westhoff for our friends at Turn of Tennis and for all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network I'm your host Alex Gruskin you you know what we say hey great shot and we'll see you all next time thanks everyone